0: indescribable gift, indescribable gift, and we, we started last week with this idea of indescribable gift, and, and, and we made the point that you could, you could basically have someone give you the greatest thing closest to your heart, yet in the human language, we could still kind of describe that, correct? Well, Paul teaches us here, and, and we'll go to the scripture. It's in Second Corinthians 9.15. And he's been talking about Christians doing good things and giving good gifts to people in need. But then he gets to the end of this passage, and he he begins to talk about the grace and mercy that's found in Jesus Christ. Now, this is Paul, who had been handpicked. He was very intelligent. Uh, His IQ was very high for that day. And even today, if he was with us, he would be a scholar. He would be someone who was very versed in his vocabulary, someone who, who wouldn't have a problem explaining the grace of God, explaining the mercy of God. This is Paul who would go into towns to plant churches and he would go into the temple first and he would, he would somewhat debate in love with the religious people uh, and the scribes and the Pharisees of that day. And so, so this is Paul who it's just not, you know, he wasn't a fisherman, we said last week. This is a very intelligent man. Yet he gets to the end uh, of this passage and he tries to explain this gift of God in the person of Jesus, in his grace, in his mercy, in his love, in his, his birth, his, his death, his resurrection. And, and all Paul can say is, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And you're like, come on, Paul. Can't, can't you do a little better than that? Can't you throw some language around? And Paul's like, no, this is Paul who has experienced Jesus. This is Paul who has been, his life has been wrecked by Jesus. This is Paul who has been beat for the sake of Jesus. This is Paul who's went hungry and he's been shipwrecked. And, And if anyone at this moment in his life has a really good understanding of God's grace found in Jesus Christ, it would be Paul. Yet Paul says it's an indescribable gift. And so, so thinking of the indescribable gift, and then going over to Isaiah, and this is where we'll take our text from today, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be up on his shoulders. And so we talked last week about a child is born, but a son is given, and I love that verbiage there, because the son was before the child, the son was, is, and is to come. Everything that we, we know was created in him and through him. And so we can't just glaze over the fact that God gave us his son. Yes, a child was born. Yes, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Yes, he went through the whole human side of childbirth. Yet the whole time we have to keep in mind, God gave us his son. Jesus Christ is a gift to humanity. And it's no different from the day it happened to the day we sit here today. It's an indescribable gift. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of peace. And so as we as we think today and, and get into this, let's look at some of the indescribable things that, that we can get into. Number one, the gift of an indescribable, wonderful counselor. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Psalms 32, 8 says it this way. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That is an indescribable, wonderful counselor. Uh, A lot of us in this room maybe go to counselors, and and we pay money to go to counselors. Our our world uh, that we live in today, we're constantly searching for information. We're constantly searching for which route to take. We're constantly talking to Siri. Anybody talk to Siri? Right? Or whatever kind of phone you have. And so, and so we live in a society where knowledge is at our fingertips. And so I thought we'd have a little fun this morning. I'm going to hit Siri up. Who was the 28th president? Checking my sources. The answer is Woodrow Wilson. I mean, our kids these days don't even do school anymore. No, it's so true. It's so true. What is 85 times 85? It's 7,225. <laughs> right? And so so we get in this habit. Okay, so, so if I want to know how to get to 8585 Portland, Oregon somewhere, I just say to Siri, how do I get there? And the route starts. If we're not careful in the society that we live in, we can, we can become, and I don't know how theological this is, a Siri society. Never heard that before. It just hit me. <laughs> yeah, we have this wonderful counselor in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I, I, I have come to instruct you, but when I go away, one is going to come in my place that will instruct you in every way. Now watch this. Should I take this job? I'm afraid I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> oh. Sorry. I'm afraid I don't know what you should do Should I marry this person? (laughs) (laughs) She's jealous (laughs) Should I marry this person? I'm sure I don't know And I could go on and on You get the point? Point being, there's only so much knowledge and information the world can give us. There's there's only so many answers we can get from the smartest people in the world. There are are only so many uh, avenues that we can explore by the world's knowledge, yet when it gets into everyday life, we have to lean on the Wonderful Counselor. When it gets into everyday life, we have to lean on the Holy Spirit. When it gets into everyday life in our own life, when we're trying to make hard decisions, should I pursue this relationship? Should I pursue this job? How do I raise my kids? How do I stay married? How how do I handle this financial situation I'm in? How do I handle this addiction that I may be going through? How do I handle this world that I live in? How do I do that? And the only answer to that is to lean on the wonderful counselor that God has given us through the person of Jesus Christ. Indescribable gift. I mean, how much money would you pay to have the right answer every time for every question that you have? God paid that. God paid that. He paid that through the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And He paid that through the Bible. And we, we talked last week about this indescribable gift and, and knowledge. And there, there being a way, that there'll be a voice behind you. This is the way to walk in. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. And so you get this idea of, I have this counselor and here's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been given to all of us. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't just get Jesus and God. You get Father, Father God, Father Son, and Father Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit indwells us. And as the Holy Spirit indwells us, He leads us and guides us and directs us. And so I, I, it's my hope that over this week, every time you pick up your phone to talk to Siri or every time you Google something, You will remember in your mind, wait a minute, in the important issues and the important matters of my life, I have a wonderful counselor that was, is, and is to come, that knows the end from the beginning. He knew me before he formed me in my mother's womb. He knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows when a bird falls from the sky. He knows how many, his thoughts for me outnumber the grains of sand on the ocean. Thus, he loves me. He thinks about me all the time. I have that wonderful counselor in my life, and he is sufficient for anyone that calls on his name. Anyone This isn't a prestige thing This isn't a Well I I don't have enough money to call on God Or I don't have enough talent to call on God Or I'm not the right color to call on God Well surely God's busy with all this other stuff going on in the world No God is mighty We'll get to that in a minute He is able to handle your questions He is able to handle what you're going through in your life Because he already knows what happens tomorrow Wonderful counselor So let's, let's keep going right here the gift of an indescribable mighty God. Deuteronomy ten seventeen says it this way. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. So we read this and we're like, okay, what do you mean God of gods? Isn't there only one God? Isn't there only one Lord? Well, yes, he is the one true God, but we live in a society where if we researched and did some personal inventory, we all have gods in our life. You're like, I don't have gods in my life. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. How do you know when you have a god in your life or an idol in your life? It's when you put more time and resource and, and energy into that thing in your life than you do to your relationship with God. That's the definition of an idol. Anything that comes between you and your relationship with God is an idol. It becomes a God. And so in Deuteronomy... God's dealing with the children of Israel and and, and and they keep going back and worshiping these gods and, and they're worshiping the God of Baal and, and they're worshiping all these different gods and God's going, Look, I, why do you keep making sacrifices to me? But in your private life, why do you keep worshiping these gods and these idols? Do you not think I see you? And he goes on to say, I am that I am. I am God, I am Almighty. I was talking to Raina about this message this morning, and she said, Jason, Almighty means he has all might. There is no one that stands. What's the opposite of good? Or evil. What's the opposite of God? No, he has no opposite. Mm -mm. No, no. He is that he is. The devil's been defeated. God reigns supreme. There is no opposite to God. There's no one that can go toe-to-toe with God. So, so here's a, he is the God of God and the Lord of Lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Look at this, this next scripture, Psalms 147.5, great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. So you can take that back to the wonderful counselor or in, in that very moment, you can say, you know what, I've got this God who, who there, there is no lack of anything in. No lack of understanding. Great is the Lord and mighty in power. I, I love the book of Job. The book of Job is very hard to read because of what happens to Job. But there's one point in there well, where his friends, who if you want to call them friends, and his wife, I guess you have to call her his wife because they were married, but she wasn't a very good wife because she looked at Job and she said, why don't you just cuss, curse God and die? And that's some good, And I'm, I'm, they needed to go to marriage counseling. I can see a wife doing that to her husband. Well, I read it in the Bible. <laughs> so Job finally buys into this feeling sorry for myself. And, and he goes to God and he starts up ranting. And as he's ranting, God stops it. And he says these words, Brace yourself. I will question you and you will answer. That's like mom saying, Go to your room and wait for your dad to get home. Because it's going down. <laughs> That's what God says to Job. And I don't, I don't have time to go into all of it, but he, he, he says things like, Where were you when the dimensions of all that you know were laid out? Surely you were there. Where do I hide hell and snowstorms and storehouses for times of trouble? You know everything, Job. Surely you know that. Where were you when I called out the stars? He goes on and on in and Carpenterville's grass. Where were you? Where were you? And to me, that's just such a picture of the might of God. And, and a plan of the enemy, especially in a time of year like this, is to delude the fact that we have an almighty God. To delude the fact that God becomes man, walks among us, and we have this mighty God in the person of Jesus, and we celebrate that might, and we take hold of that might in times of trouble, in great times, in bad times. Because if you ever get to a place where you feel like God can't handle a situation in your life, you've lost focus on the mightiness of God. He's God. Number three. The gift, of, the, the gift of perfectly indescribable everlasting Father. The gift of the perfectly indescribable everlasting Father. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. You, you get this idea right here of an indescribable everlasting Father, and, and the idea behind this is God could have been called anything He wanted to be called, and He chose Father. He chose Father. If you, I think it's Psalms uh, 68.5. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. So Isaiah says, for unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given. The government will be up on His shoulders, and His name will be called. And one of those names is Everlasting Father. And I think that's so beautiful. Because in Jesus coming to this earth, God realized that the gap that we all have in our hearts, whether we had great earthly fathers or whether father brings up a bad, bad taste in our mouth, God knew from the beginning that he had put a void in our heart that only he, God the father, could fill. And so one of the names that Isaiah is calling Jesus at this point is everlasting father. In other words, a father that will not fail you, a father that never slumbers or sleeps, a father that has all-knowing and almighty father see as, as kids we want that don't we? we we want to know that our father is strong and he's big and he can handle anything and there's a ripping away when we figure out that's not true it happens whether through our own uh, inability to handle a situation or through failure or through just our kids growing up realizing that nobody's perfect yet we long for that don't we we long for that void to be filled, and, and we have an everlasting father, a father that's never going to leave us or forsake us, a father that, that, that can handle anything. What is a father concerned with, a good father? Well, he's concerned about heart issues, right? He's concerned about protection. He's concerned about, about being everything that he needs to be to a child. I mean, any good father doesn't want their child to be scared, right? Any of you raise toddlers yeah, okay. And, and I've learned you can't talk about how to do it unless you've done it, right? You don't want anybody giving you marriage counseling that's never been married. It's stupid. Boy, you need some counseling. <laughs> Let's switch spots here. Um, but but, but this, this idea of a father wanting to protect their children. And, and if, you, if you've ever raised toddlers, you remember when they had bad dreams. My daughter had what they called night terrors. And, and from the time she was probably two and a half to the time she was five, and they were awful. And I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but it's where your child would wake up in the middle of something going on in their head, and they were totally out of it, and they were screaming, and you couldn't settle them down. And, you know, so I would go in, and I would read Chelsea, Daisy, Head, Maisie, and we would pray, and I would put her in bed. And I would always go to bed thinking, is, is she going to have one of those tonight? And it, it hurt me as a father because I couldn't do anything about it. And I remember this one time when I really realized something was wrong, because she loved Daisy Head Maisie and she loved ice cream. Just a regular toddler, right? Yes, we let our kids have as much ice cream as they wanted, <laughs> and they're both okay. Now, I have a, I had a large dentist bill along the way. No, it, so but but I remember going in her room one night and picking her up, going Chelsea, Chelsea, wake up, wake up. You want some ice cream? She kept screaming. Do you, do you want to read da- you, Daddy to read Daisy Head Maisie to you again? And she kept screaming. And I remember how helpless I felt because I couldn't do anything in that moment. Because the heart of the Father in me wanted to fix that situation. I didn't know how to fix it. And, and so all, all I would know to do is pick her up and take her to bed with me. Now, our kids only got to sleep with us if they were unconscious like Chelsea was. So, <laughs> but I would lay her in bed and I would, I would pray over her and talk to her and sing to her until she would come out of it. And I would put her back in bed. That's all I need to do in my imperfectness of trying to fix her situation. Yet we have this time of year, uh, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the, the government be upon his shoulders, and one of his names is Everlasting Father, perfect, indescribable father. So no matter what that word father means to you today, no matter, no matter how you feel about that word, and no matter if you feel like you failed as a father, which we all have, or no matter our parent. If you're you're a single parent, no matter that, one of the greatest things that you can do for your children is to teach them this time of year, unto us a child is born, unto us a, a son is given. And through God giving us his only son, he showed us a perfectly indescribable everlasting father. Wow. That looks upon the heart. That cares about everyday situations. I mean, and again, I can only use personal illustrations in, in, my, in reference to, to fatherhood in my own dad and then being a father. My daughter's 23, my son's 19. I still care about what's going on in their life. It's not like I got them out of the house and I was like, woo! Well, Dylan, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's a joy. He's a joy. Um, I still care. We still text, I still call. You know, because that, that is, I want to be involved. I care about what's going on in their life. God cares about what's going on in your life today. And there's nobody in this room at this very moment that's perfect. But we have an indescribably perfectly everlasting father. And so no matter what you're going through today, grab a hold of that father. Grab, grab a hold of the fact that God loved us so much, he sent his only son to die for us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And in that we get the, we get salvation, we get his love, we get his grace, we get his mercy through what Jesus Christ did for us. And so, grab that today. Maybe maybe you're here and and, and you drug yourself in here, and and things aren't going good, or the holidays are hard for you. or Maybe you lost a loved one this past year. I don't know. I mean. All the situations that could be in three services in a room like this are mind-boggling to me, but they're not to God. And He can handle them. And when you you get the mindset of an everlasting Father, and you get the mindset of a, a Father that has just unconditional agape love for you, it allows you to approach the throne of grace with boldness. Because no longer are you thinking, I don't deserve it. No longer are you thinking... Okay, well, in this moment, God, I really messed up. I, I, I can't even pray. I yep. don't even want to. You know what? Squash that because he's the perfect father. He is the everlasting father. Number four, the gift of indescribable peace. We switched everlasting father and prince of peace. 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty three. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. In other words, God it says it right there. God is not a God of disorder. And so if there's disorder in your life, if there's chaos in your life today, if Christmas has become more chaotic than it is about a Savior and a God loving you, then God would say to you today, God's not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And, and peace is like something many days of our life you've got to search out. Have you ever found that? I mean, we can vacate for peace. Vacations are awesome. We can push away for peace. We can go hunting for peace. We can go fishing for peace. We can do those things, but without involving God in those areas of our life, you can't truly find peace because to find peace is to find God. And if I'm looking for things of this world to give me peace, I'm going to be disappointed every time. John 14 says this, 1427, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. That's a rough one. Do not be afraid. We all deal with fear. Jesus is saying, look, I'm the everlasting father, the prince of peace. I've come, I leave, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. So if the things of this world can't fix your fear and the things of this world can't fix your situation, just know that I'm leaving my peace with you. Some of us in this room right now may have children that are far from God. Let the peace of God envelop your heart today. God's able. Some of us in this room right now may be going through a sickness that that doesn't look good. Let the peace of God envelop your heart today. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace in every situation in our life. And then you fast forward. Now, He he brings peace. A son is given to us. He's born. He lives a sinless life so that we can have peace outside of sin. Then He, he goes to the cross, goes to the garden, not my will, but your will be done. And then He carries that cross. He's crucified. He's placed in a grave. He raises, he's rose from that grave on the third day. And he, he, as He... As he ascends to heaven, at the right hand of the Father, he's the Prince of Peace. I told you a few weeks ago, I'm doing a study in Daniel, which has led me into, to Hosea, which has led me into Revelation. And I was reading in Revelation, this whole idea of, obviously, the end times. And God says over and over and over again, to have peace, to know that he is God. And says over and over again, that Jesus will reign. If you, you look at Isaiah 9-7, of the increase of his government. Now, remember, we started with Isaiah 9-6, correct? Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And we don't have the time to do a whole dissertation on the end times. But here's, here's the bottom line. Jesus Christ is coming back for us. The rapture is a very real thing. It's going to happen. And the Bible teaches of some bad things that happened before that. But at the end of the day, Jesus will set up his throne. And he will reign supreme. And when John is getting the revelation. And, and Jesus is telling John to what to tell the seven churches. He, he says these words. Tell them. If they will hang on, they will reign with me forever. And the authority that God has given me will be given to them. You read your Bible, it says that. I'm not making that up. And you're like, whoa, are you serious? Yes. You tell them, if they will stay the course, you tell them, if if, if they will rest in my peace, you tell them. That I've given them peace outside of sin through sending my only son, yet that peace is going to reign forever. So, the indescribable peace that comes through the gift of God in Jesus that we celebrate at this time of year is available to separate you from, I'll, I'll even say it this way, the torture of a sinful life it's available to set you on a track to live a productive life but it's also available for eternity see hell wasn't created for us God did everything he could do to restore us back to a rightful relationship with him by sending his only son that's peace my friend that's peace where you can lay your head on your pillow tonight and know that you know that you know that you will spend eternity with God in hell. not because of anything you did except just accept that gift the indescribable gift. And we'll talk about the gift of salvation next week quickly as hopefully you'll invite some of your friends. But if you're here today and you say, Jason, I'm, I don't have peace in my life. Let's start with the peace that comes through salvation. Let's start with that peace that, that Romans 5 talks about. We have peace with God. We've been justified in the eyes of God. Let's talk about that peace that is all through the New Testament and coincides with the person of Jesus prince of peace that's who he is that's what he can give today so maybe you're here today and you don't know jesus christ as your personal savior maybe maybe you you've had and i always get enamored at this time in the service because you know i've had people say over the years why do you do that every week you can't fix stupid Mike, there's no response to that. Uh, Well, why? Because somebody did it for me one day. Why? Because it changed my life. Why? Because I'm going to stand before God one day and he's going to say, Jason, there was that person in that service that one day and you did not give them an opportunity to know Jesus. not going to happen here. But I get enamored by this time because when I start talking about salvation, I mean, there's a good fourth of you that starts squirming and, and you just squirm and you're like and I can hear the Bibles I mean we're all going to leave at the same time you can pick your Bible up when we leave you see that? that's the enemy trying to keep you from really thinking about are you saved? Are you really doing some personal inventory? Have I put my salvation as a faith issue? Salvation is you taking your faith that God gave you and putting it back in Jesus Christ as the Messiah and confessing in your own heart. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe he was placed in a grave. I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. I believe he's coming back for me one day. And right now, God, at this moment, I'm believing that you can change my life. I need change in my life. I need a starting point. I need a fresh start. Jesus Christ is the X factor of change. Nobody's asking you if you're perfect. Nobody's asking you if what you did last night. By all means, every one of us in here sin. The question is, have you received the indescribable gift of salvation to restore you back to God? Are you a Christian? Have you put your faith in Jesus? I know people have been in church their whole life and you ask them, hey, when were you saved? Well, I, I, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I mean, when did, when did you accept Jesus Christ? You probably, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess it happened at some point when I was a kid. You need to know that. You need to know your spiritual birthday. It, it needs to ring true in your heart so that, that when you have a temptation to doubt, you know that you know that you know that God has saved you. Would you bow your head all over this place? At this Christmas time, at this wonderful season... And celebrate the birth of Jesus. I just want to ask you that question. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Say, Jason, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever put my faith in Jesus. Man, what a great day to do that. What a great day to confess in your own heart that you believe, you believe that Jesus Christ is the one true Son of God, and you believe. He is the Messiah What a great Great time To look at Christmas lights In a different manner To look at Christmas trees In a different manner To experience This joy And hope And peace Of this holiday season In a totally different way And the way you do that, do that Is to accept that Indescribable gift You say Jason that's me I need to put my faith in Jesus I know that I need to be saved Slip your hand up Long enough for me to see And put it right back down I see your hand Anyone else I see your hand That's awesome I see your hand i see your hand. That's incredible. That's incredible. A gift is only a gift if it's received. And some of you are doing that right now, right where you sit. And I'm so proud of you. God's calling you home right now. You're about to start the greatest journey of your life. Anyone else before we pray? Anyone else? If you raised your hand, would you pray this prayer with me just to yourself right where you're sitting? And when we're done with church today, I beg you to go out to the tent and get a Bible and a devotion. If you're a really shy person, you don't want to do that. Or if you've got to go get the kids, email the church. A pastor will get back with you, and we will help you on this new journey. But right now, in this sacred, special moment, will you just pray this prayer with me? Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that I'm in this building today, and thank you that I've realized I need you. So right now, I'm confessing in my heart. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm confessing my belief. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I believe that Jesus Christ is the one true Son of God. I believe He was born of a virgin. I truly believe He lived a sinless life. I truly believe at this moment, Lord, in this moment of time, that He took my death and sin to the cross. I truly believe in this moment in time that He was placed in a grave and He rose from that grave on the third day. I honestly, truly, wholeheartedly believe that He's coming back for me one day. So right now, God, I open my heart and I accept Your love and your grace and your mercy in this indescribable gift such as Jesus. Help me to go to that tent. Help me to get some resource that will help me in this new journey. Most of all, God, I just want to thank you for, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.